It, it was a reminder to me, and, and I think it could be a reminder to you that it's in our human tendency when confronted with pressure to respond like everybody else. Like even if you know that you know that you know you should be believing and standing this way, when the crowd does something different, if you're not cautious, you'll start to look no different than everybody else. But I've got some good news today, that the things that intimidate the crowd don't imitate your God. And because they don't imitate your God, you don't have to respond to the pressures of life like the crowd. You know, today I want to talk about these three boys uh, that go by the names of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They found themselves in a position where they were experiencing some pressure. And when the pressure came, the crowd responded one way, but these boys that were just as human as you and I did not respond like the crowd. The title of my message today is this, Don't Freak Out. Don't freak out. There's these three boys, and I'll jump into verse 14, but before I do, I want to just paraphrase the beginning part of this story. Uh, in Daniel chapter 3, there's these three boys that are taking, they're taken into this, th th this province, and they're brought in, and they are forced to work for this king. Uh, they're doing a phenomenal job. They're tearing it up. Like the king actually thinks these guys are awesome. And, and one day this, this king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar, why his mom named him that, I don't know. But his name was Nebuchadnezzar. He had this huge statue built, 90 feet tall, this gold image. And he wanted to throw like this big reveal party. And he invited everybody to the party, and he, he was excited about this party. He was like an arrogant kind of guy. Like, he's the kind of the guy that expected you to be there. He's the kind of guy that likes his own Instagram post. There's nothing wrong with liking your, I'm just kidding. There's nothing wrong with liking your own Instagram post, especially if you're like on like 99, and you're like, I just want to break 100. Like, you do that. That's him. So he invites everybody to the ceremony. They unveil this gold image, and he sets this rule in place. He says this, when the music begins to play, you must bow down and worship this gold image. Well, everybody does it. Everybody hits the floor. They start to bow down. They're worshiping this gold image, except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're feeling the pressure, but they don't respond like the crowd. There were some snitches sitting in their section, so they went to the king and said, Hey, king, we have these three guys in section 202 that are not bowing down when the music is playing. So the king is fired up. So he says, Bring them over here to me. And this is where we jump in in verse 14. It says this, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I've set up? Now, if you are ready, at the time you hear, I'm just going to call it music because there's a whole lot of instruments on there. When you hear that music, uh, if you fall down and you worship the image that I've made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? 
The boys answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, or if you decide not to throw us in there, let it be known to you that we don't serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image that you've set up. The Nebuchadnezzar, full of fury. Like, this is the kind of guy, you didn't like my post and you're my friend. He's angry. Some of y'all, y'all can relate. You get mad at you. You expect your mom to like your post. Just true story. Yesterday, I, I, I had like this meaningful Mother's Day post. I posted this picture of me and my mom. She commented on it yesterday. I'm like, are you serious? Like six days later, I, 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 if you read my comment on there, I just say like better late than never. Uh, but anyways, anyway, so King is mad. Verse 20, verse 20, it says, and he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I skipped one part right before that verse. The Bible says he was so mad that he turned up the heat seven times hotter. Verse 21, then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and other garments, and they were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace was exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men fell down bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Verse 24 says, Then the king was astonished. He rose in haste and he spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they're not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the fiery furnace, and he spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. They came out from the midst of the fire, and the satraps, administrators, governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw that these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair on their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Then the king promoted, say promoted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon, in the province of Babylon. This is an awesome story. It's awesome when you see it beginning to end. These guys find themselves feeling pressure. They don't respond like the crowd. They don't freak out. And ultimately, in the end, they experience God's favor. Um, I know a little bit about feeling pressure. And, you know, if I was in these boys' sandals, I probably would have responded a little bit different. I, I don't think we give these guys in the Bible a whole lot of credit. Because, if you, you know, I'm like, no, I would have, I would have like, been there. I would have done... But yet I'm the guy that, like, if you sneeze next to me, I sanitize my whole body. Like, no, you probably would have bowed. And, and there's this tendency when we feel pressure to play it safe, to play it safe. If I'm Shadrach, I'm thinking, yo, Abednego, let's just play it safe. If you don't tell, I won't tell. Hey, Meshach, what happens in Babylon stays in Babylon. Just bow like, God I'm, God, I'm sure you understand, God. Like, can I just pretend I'm bending over to tie my sandals? Can I just, like, pretend I'm laying down and think about you? When we feel pressure in life, 
there is a tendency to pull back from the things you should be pushing towards. Pressure is trying to get you to make a move. It's either going to push you towards something or it's going to pull you from something. And it's in that moment that you have to discern what is motivating your movement. Because, get get this, there's nothing wrong with playing it safe. Play it safe. God gave you a brain. Play it safe. I'm not asking you to do anything crazy today. But I do want you to know this, that playing it safe uh, is okay unless playing it safe is motivated by fear. Because if your decision-making is motivated by fear, you've just went from playing it safe to playing it really, really dangerous. Pastor preached a little bit on this just a moment ago, but I want to read a verse in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. God did not give you a spirit of fear. So why is playing it safe, motivated by fear, dangerous? Because your direction to make that move out of fear did not come from God. It came from the spirit of fear that God is trying to let you know, I'm not in that move. Playing it safe is awesome unless it's motivated by fear. There's going to be things in life that are going to try to pull you in a direction. But before you move, You have to be really honest with yourself. What is motivating this move? And you got to be cautious because fear and wisdom sound a lot alike. And you're going to have to embrace and know deep down, Andrew, are you making this move because deep down you're afraid or because deep down God is leading you to do that? I've seen a lot of people make moves out of fear, and God is not in those moves, and it becomes dangerous. When I first got married, I lived in a, in an apartment complex. It was cool, uh, but my neighbors weren't so cool. They had like this drug thing taking place downstairs, like every day trying to sell crack cocaine to my two-year-old. I'm like, Kova, no, not now. Like, get upstairs. I'm just kidding. But it was, it was, it was a little sketch. Loved the complex, but didn't love my neighbors. And I watched all like the gang shows, and I know that if I go report them. Clearly, they're going to find out it's me, and then I'm going to die. So I just kept my mouth shut. I told my wife, just walk past them and don't say anything. Don't look at them. It doesn't matter how many people are coming in and out of that apartment. Just keep on moving. So what did I do? I got me a gun, a shotgun, because if they come knocking on my door, they're going to get it. So what I did is uh, (laughs) I got some bullets, some shotgun shells, and when you go to my door, there's like our little, uh, our, our kitchen door windows right there. So you got to stand next to the kitchen window before you get to my door. So I got some shells and I put them right there on my window. Because I want you to know that if you come in here, you're going to get it. So one day I get a knock on the door. I'm ready to squabble. But it was just Pastor Randy. It was just Pastor Randy. He was there. He, he came to visit. If you didn't know, me and his daughter are married, and so he came to say, what's up? He walks into the door. He says, why do you got a shotgun shell on your window? He grabbed, he said, listen, 
And he taught me something in that moment that I'll never forget. He said, there's nothing wrong with the shell unless fear led you to put it there. And you are putting your family more in danger doing something out of fear than something out of faith. So he said, because there's nothing wrong with the shotgun shell, go put it away until you get fear out of you. And once fear is out of you, then you have permission to go put your shell back up there. You got to be cautious on what is motivating your movement. I can still hear somebody saying, I know, but playing it safe, even in fear, is still safe. This leads me to my next point, but I want to read the verse one more time in chapter 3, verse 24 through 25. It says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste. And he said to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound in the fire? And this was his response in verse 25. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire. This is my next point, and I need you to write this down if you're taking notes. And I need this to write. I need you to write this down if you don't believe me that you are safer. Uh, if, that you are safer, even if it don't look incredibly safe. And this is what I'm trying to tell somebody today: is that you, you are safer in the fire with God than outside of the fire without God. You are safer in the fire with God than outside of the fire without God. I know, but right now is just not the time to give. You are safer giving with God than not giving without God. I know, but right now is not the time to go to church. You are safer going to church with God than staying at home without him. Now, I'm not trying to make your decisions. I'm just saying if it's motivated by fear. If it's motivated by fear, don't you make moves out of fear. I preach to my kids all the time. I don't get excited about preaching. I mean, I do get excited about preaching, but I'm preaching at home all the time to my kids. I get it out of my system, all, and I'm preaching to my kids. And the other day I was talking to my daughter, Kova, because she's an analyzer. She likes to process things. She wants to know the statistics. She wants to know the details. Don't mess with my plans. And I was trying to tell this analytical little kid, this story. And I said, Kova, listen to me. I said, is your bed nice and comfy? She said, yeah. I said, would you say that your room is pretty safe? She said, yeah. I said, like, you, you, you like your room? Yeah, it's, nothing ever happens to you. And yeah, it's, it's safe. I said, Kova, if God ever spoke to you and called you to preach on a stage in the middle of a war zone with bombs flying and shots firing, Kova, you are safer on that stage than you would have been in your room on that same day because you are safer in the fire with God than outside of the fire without him. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 33 says, But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. Don't let fear motivate your decision making. You're safer in the fire with God than outside of the fire without him. In Daniel chapter 3 verse 27, it says, and they saw these men 
on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair on their head was not singed, nor were the garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. This is a reminder to me that no matter what I go through, I'm just as susceptible to life as you are. I see the same gas prices that you do. I have the same battles that you do. But I have to remind myself, I'm going to come out of this season. You're going to come out of the season that you're in. And when you try to describe that season to other people, they won't even be able to connect the dots because there'll be nothing from that season that lies on you today. There was no trace of smoke on them. Some of you are going to try to share your testimony on how you were on drugs and you had no peace. And people are going to look at you crazy because they're going to look at your arms. They're going to look at your clothes and they're going to say, I don't even smell smoke. Surely you'd smell like a little bit of that. I don't have to be affected. The storms are real. The furnace is real. They didn't avoid the furnace. They went into the furnace. The men that threw them in the furnace dropped dead, but those three boys did not freak out, and the smoke could not take them down. It has no effect. Say, no side effects here. We freak out about the side effects, not for the believer. It doesn't have to attach itself to you. You can go through the same things that your neighbor went through, but it doesn't have to affect you. You got to believe this. If you can believe this, it don't matter what the season looks like in life. It doesn't matter what I see on the news. Because I'm not affected like that, you got to believe it. These guys understood this. They believed this. There was no trace of it. God's going to blow your mind in this season. He's going to do it. He is going to do it. I believe he's going to do it. In 20 years when your grandkids... Look to you and say, hey, were you alive when all the businesses were shutting down? Were you alive, Grandpa, when, 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 what was going on? And he said, no, that, and you're going to look at them and say, that was actually our greatest year ever. That can be impossible. No, that was actually the greatest year ever. No, that, that, our mar- that was the greatest year ever. There's no trace of smoke on these guys. It did not have the power to hurt them. It did not have the power to hurt them. God was their protector. They did not freak out. The last thing that I want to make reference to pertaining to this story is this. Promotion, it came in an unlikely hour. Promotion came in an unlikely hour. Could it be that when the universe is panicking, that God is looking for someone to bless? Could it be when everybody is bowing down that God is just looking for someone that still believes? In Daniel 3.30, it says, And the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. 
I think so many times we think that God can't bless us in Fresno, so I got to go do something else. I'm here to tell you he's going to bless you in the province of Fresno. He did it right where they were. I'm sure they would have thought, well, can you bless us, take us back home? He said, no, I'm going to do it right here in Babylon. And we get so married to God only being able to do it like this and doing it like that. God can bless you a million different ways. Promotion came in an unlikely hour. They weren't expecting this to take place, but promotion came. And I believe right now, as our world is getting darker and darker and scarier and scarier for the people that don't freak out, this could be your day of promotion. I believe that. I believe that. This could be your finest hour. I know what you're experiencing at home. It's crazy. But if you don't buckle, if you don't freak out, promotion will come. I know when you look at your bank account, you're thinking, oh, Jesus, we better qualify for another credit card. I'm telling you, if you don't freak out and you don't make decisions out of fear and you do whatever God says for you to do, you will experience promotion in this hour. Some of y'all waiting for next year. God's like, no, I want to do it right now. Some of you, God's put it on your heart to buy a house, but you're freaking out. God says, I don't care what season. If I tell you to buy a house, even in a crazy season, make your move. Stop waiting for everything to line up perfect because I don't think everything's ever going to be perfect. That's why you need God. Because if it's raining, I'm smiling. And if there's smoke, I'm smiling. Because my God is faithful. He's faithful. I think to myself, what gave these guys the courage to not bow down? Because again, they didn't have superhero powers. They were normal just like me and you. And I'm beginning to think, what is it? What is it that gave them the courage to not freak out? Because I can tell you all this great stuff and you can leave, turn the news out, and you're probably going to freak out. So what's going to give you the strength that when the doctor says it's looking bad for you not to freak out and bow? What's going to give you strength when it looks like you're going to lose your kids to drugs? What's going to give you the courage to not freak out and bow? This is one thing that these boys knew. They knew who they were. They knew who they were. They knew who they were. And because they knew who they were, they did not freak out when pressure came. Pressure showed up, they didn't panic. They stood standing. They experienced God's favor. They knew who they were. And because they knew who they were, they knew who they weren't. Do you know who you are? Do you know that you're the healed of the Lord? Do you know that you're an overcomer? Do you know that with long life, God will satisfy you? They knew who they were. In Daniel chapter 1, this was the very first thing that the king wanted to mess with, who they were. It says in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and he besieged it. Among those who were chosen 
were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. And the chief official gave them new names. Say new names. New names. Boys, I got these four guys. What do we need to do? Change their names. We can't afford for them to know who they are. So they changed their names. Daniel named Belshazzar to Hananiah, Shadrach to Mishael, Meshach to Azariah, Abednego. Because they knew who they were. They knew who they weren't. So when the king was talking to them, Shadrach knew, I'm not Shadrach. Meshach knew, I'm not Meshach. Abednego knew, I'm not Abednego. And I love their real names because their real names defined them. Their real names gave them the courage to not buckle when pressure came. The real names gave them the strength not to turn the opposite way in the elevator when they should have been facing the other way. Can we throw that slide up there? Shadrach's real name meant God is gracious. Why didn't Shadrach buckle? Because he knew God is gracious. But Meshach's real name was, who is like God? So when that threat came from the king and said, gas prices are just too high, you're going down under, Meshach knew who is like God. I love Abednego. Because when Abednego was born, God had already defined him for a season that would later try to take him out in life. And I think the reason why Abednego, a.k.a. Azariah, was not panicking when the king turned the heat up seven times hotter, because I think he knew he was going to wake up the next day in a comfy pillow declaring God has help. He knew who he was. Do you know who you are? Because guess what? The world is going to get darker. It's going to get scarier. And you're going to bow unless you know who you are. How do I discover my new name? In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. It doesn't just tell you, hey guys, don't bow down like everybody else. It gives you the tool on where you get your new name. But let God transform you into a new person. In other words, you're no longer sick, you're transformed, your new name is healed. You're no longer afraid, new name, you're bold. You're courageous. He says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. This Bible is not a book of do's and don'ts. This Bible is a book full of names that God has for you. And if you don't know who God says that you are, you are going to buckle when pressure comes. You're going to have to know who you are. Because when things get dark, if you don't know that God's promised you a long life, you're going to bow when sickness shows up. If you don't know that God can miraculously save your household, you're going to buckle when your kids don't want to go to church with you. 
There is so much power in God's word. When it gets inside of you, I'm telling you, I don't care how hot that furnace gets, there's a boldness that will rise up in you. My daughter, she had these weird things kind of breaking out under her arm. She hated it, and I hated it too. I hated seeing my daughter uh, just, just, just crying over these things. And so I said, Kova, well, let's go. Let's go figure out what God says. Let's go figure out who we are. And there's a verse in this Bible that says, you lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So we did what God wanted us to do. We became who God said that we were. And we prayed. And you know what happened? It got worse. It got worse. Like three days later, she starts crying. I said, oh, Jesus, where'd those come from? I panicked. But sometimes the enemy turns up the heat seven times hotter just to see if you'll buckle. So I said, Kova, don't be alarmed. We prayed and God is on the move. God is on the move. Yesterday, she was dancing around in her little tank top and I looked at her arm and I said, what? I said, Kova, there was not one left under that arm that we had prayed for a few weeks ago. Because when you know who you are, you don't buckle even when it gets hotter. A while back, I was on Facebook and I seen this lady that attended one of our campuses. Her husband was in the hospital. He had already died for like two minutes. She said he's probably brain dead. She said they're now kind of just getting me to want to pull the plug on him. But I read that same verse that said, you call for the elders, and I'm not very old, but I'll be one, and you come pray, the prayer of faith, and they will live. So what did we do? We went down there in our shorts looking like little hood rats, but we walked into that hospital room knowing who we were. And we prayed for that man. And we left. And I don't know what happened. Until about a week ago, I was at a gas station with Tavo. Randomly, middle of nowhere. It's dark. He calls me. There's some lady at your car window. I'm like, well, just keep the window up, Tavo. Hit him with your guitar. I go outside, and this lady is so excited. She said, Andrew. Do you remember when you came and prayed for my husband? I forgot to tell you, he is alive, he is well, and he's at home. Because when you know who you are, you can stand in the midst of adversity. How am I going to find out? The news isn't going to tell you. The Word of God is going to tell you. The billboards aren't going to tell you. The Word of God is going to tell you. The commercials are probably not going to remind you who you are. So you got to have a relationship with God's Word. I want to invite you to stand up right where you're at today. Who you are is so much more than what you're facing. I know that fiery furnace is hot. I know it looks like an impossible situation, but the word for you today is this. Don't freak out. God, I pray for every person that is in this room. And God, I just thank you for your great love for every single one of them. Your love that surpasses even our intellect. And God, I just pray today that you would grant them the revelation of who they are in Christ. 
I declare today that you are healthy and whole. Not that you're going to be, that you are healthy and whole. I declare today that you walk in great peace. Great peace to your mind. We silence every thought and we declare the peace of God over your mind. Suicide, we bind you. We replace that with fear. I'm sorry, not fear. We replace that with peace. That was like a bad two for one, but peace will kill fear and suicide in a moment. If you got some stuff in your body and you're not feeling so well, I want you to raise your hand. Okay, put those hands down. If you got some stuff in your body and you feel better than you did a year ago, so now you think you're okay, but you're still dealing with the side effects of what you had, I want you to raise your hand. Because that is not God's best. God wants to bring a full recovery. So full that when you start walking without that limp, like thank God you're walking, walking, but God says, I want no trace of what you've been through on you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just, we just right now speak to this environment. We speak to the spirit of infirmity, and we declare in the name of Jesus to go. We declare 100% restoration, 100% wholeness, 100% health in everybody, in every bone. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. There's people in here that have done things throughout their life that have caused issues. You brought those issues to your organs. I want you to hear this today. The love of God is gonna bring healing to the mess that you created. You're loved, you're loved. I know you know what you did, but God says I wanna heal it because I wanna show you that my love is greater than all the dumb things that you've done and I can still come and fix everything that you've broken. Father, right now, I just pray for people that are dealing with guilt and shame. Right now, we come against that, and I pray that your love, that your love would fill their hearts, that they would feel a tangible presence of your love, and in the name of Jesus, we speak to livers, and in the name of Jesus, we speak to hearts, and in the name of Jesus, we speak to blood, and in the name of Jesus, we speak to kidneys. Be healed and be whole in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus. 